0: today and every single day. And to our friends that are online, to say good morning, Uh, whether you are with us live on Facebook or YouTube or ccmonline.org, or maybe you're watching with us later on this week. We're so grateful that you're here with us. If you haven't already done so, make sure that you uh, get your bread or your crackers or some juice, uh, because we'll be receiving communion together today. And the kids are in the room with us, and so they'll be receiving, and we all will as families today. So welcome. We're so glad. Glad you're here. Blessed are the ones who do not bear all the broken pieces of their heart. And blessed are the tears of all the weary Blessed are the wounded ones and more and Brave enough to show the Lord their scars and Blessed are the hurts that are not healed It is the soul that hurts for righteousness. Welcome me.
1: J. Mattson, and we want to introduce you to Miles Ezekiel Mattson. Oh, he even opened his eyes. Two weeks and two days old. Um, And he's excited to help us preach the word today.
2: (laughs) Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Clopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? And they replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who is a prophet Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him.
1: Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe that that all the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures.
3: This is God's word for us, and will you tell someone next to you, "This is God's word for you"? And thanks for that word from you, Miles. We were hoping to get a peep before you before you got down off the platform because you know you were born into a family of preachers, so it's it's uh, it it is it, it's in the genes, brother. It's in the genes. <laughs> I really love the scripture. I really love when God invites me not to look at any of the notes or the books I've read on a particular scripture and to listen to God's voice right here, right now, for my life right now. So I didn't go to any commentaries. I didn't go to my old notes. I didn't read some of my favorite books about this time in uh, in the resurrection season. I just started to spend time with some icons, and I thought, oh, I'm just going to let these icons begin to speak to me. And, and, of course, you know, I love this one. It's by a dear uh, Catholic sister. And, and, of course, she made um, the other disciple a female. And, uh, and, you know, she may have been thinking about John 18:25, where it said that Mary, the wife of Clopas, was at the foot of the cross. I don't know if you remember that. She was one of the Marys that was right there at the foot of the cross. And so I don't know why Luke doesn't name her, but he's in a good tradition of a lot of people who don't always name people, which is why I love this beautiful song, you know, Blessed are those who don't get any credit. Did you guys love that? Would you guys go down there and sit so I can look at you? And, and do you notice nobody wants to sit in the front? I think they're worried that Scott and I spit when we speak and that the closer they get, the more danger they're in, right? Um, I, I really am grateful for those that were given the kingdom, the broken, the mourning, Those that were having trouble believing. I mean, I love that Jesus flips everything upside down in the way that Jesus does. And that even after the resurrection of Christ, people are still not getting it. Right? Isn't it true? They're still not getting it. I do love the icon at the National Cathedral, and it's absolutely stunning. So go online and take a look. And and again, they've given um, Clopas a female companion that was on the road. And, of course, if it is a Mary, the one that was at the foot of the cross, you can imagine that Mary has trauma right now after what she's seen. I don't know if any of you have ever seen uh, the, the movie The Passion, but it takes you a while to get over the imagery after watching the movie, and that's a practice. Scott and I, we watch it every year because we know we're gonna see something different, but it is traumatic. It is traumatic, and so if it is Mary, the wife of Clopas there, she's got some trauma going on, and maybe that's what's keeping her from seeing. And then maybe Clopas himself has some shame going on because he didn't show up at the foot of the cross. And, and his wife did. And so you can imagine, as Scott said last week, everybody was afraid. Everybody was startled. Everybody. You know, everyone in that time was dealing with what they were dealing with. But one of the things I love when somebody's not named in Scripture, you could actually put yourself in the story really easily. Like, what if that was me? And so if you look up the Road to Emmaus icons, you're going to find all kinds. I mean, you're going to see Asian Road to Emmaus. You're going to see Hispanic Road to Emmaus. You're going to see African Road to Emmaus. It's fabulous. But my very favorite this week was this one. I don't know if you can see it, but they're at KFC. And Jesus is meeting with two people at KFC. And I want to invite you wherever you are to let Jesus be with you wherever you are in this post-resurrection season. Like, let's pray for eyes to see. You notice that the Bible is fabulous about naming blindness as a a normal part of the journey of faith. Did you ever notice that? Like, blindness is all over the Bible. And I love this because there is a way, even if they weren't physically blind— Like Clopas and the other disciple, they were kept from seeing. So there's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Like, do you think that God just blinded their eyes, or do you think that their trauma or their fear or their shame kept them from seeing? I don't know, but I know that there are days when I don't see Christ for one reason or another. And sometimes it's so obvious to other people. They'll be like, what? Did you see that? And I'm like, what? Have you ever been there? I appreciate the scriptures when they tell us that seeing kept from seeing and seeing anew is all a part of our story. People want to be in relationship with Christ, but they don't realize that the attachment to the previous version of God must loosen its grip to make room for more. See, this is when people get stuck um, uh, and they're unable to see God. Many times it's because they're stuck in the last version of God, right? They knew Jesus, the walking, talking, breathing, uh, eating at the table Jesus, and they were kept from seeing Jesus. So I want to ask you, why can't you see right now? That's a great question for you and God to be with this week. Like the places that you can't see, just say to God, why can't I see? Is there something that I could know that could help me to live into the resurrected life that you are giving me? Your old version of Jesus must make way for the Holy Spirit's presence in your life right now. I love that Jesus kept saying, and you guys will say this until we go home. Jesus kept saying, it's better for you that I go because the Holy Spirit is coming, right? Richard Rohr said this. He said, you go back to the first 1,300 years of Christianity, and faith is defined as a combination of knowing and not knowing, of a willingness and a readiness by the grace of God to live within a certain degree of unknowing or what the mystics called darkness. Now, with that out of the picture and people getting the impression that they have to have a right to perfect certitude and perfect clarity and perfect order every step of the way, you've basically, I'm going to say it strongly, you've basically destroyed the biblical idea of faith to begin with. So once we started coming up with doctrines and putting them upon people, this is what the atonement means, this is what sanctification means. This is what holiness means, right? They didn't do that in the first 1,300 years. They were all just saying, I'm blind, and God is going to lead me into sight for my own life as God sees it. See, when Scott and I got married 41 years ago, we had no idea what was coming down the pike. That's all I have to say. That's a great 80s uh, dress, by the way. And uh, anyway... Um, I always know the people like Aaron, right, that got married the same time I did. Where's Aaron at? I've seen your dress. We got married, I think, the same year even. And, uh, you know, we had these dresses. And, I, you know, we were, we were bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And we had no idea what the next decades were going to bring. Anybody who's uh, lived more than a minute know what I'm talking about? Right? You have no idea. You're in the not knowing, in part of your knowing, and God is here with you. We would never have known that our little family now, 41 years later, would have gone through the death of a child and and sexual assault and murder and divorce and pains that we never dreamed would come our way, my friends. We were these two 19-year-old kids like, I'm getting married in the morning, right? Come on, ding dong, the bells are gonna chime. Yeah. Okay, so when you get married with that kind of an idea, you're not expecting any difficult thing to come your way. Don was the altar boy at my wedding. I think he was like 10 or something, I don't know. And so, you know, one of the things that I know is that you don't know some things. And I... I wonder if we could say to God, heal me of my blindness. Help me let go of the old version of how I've known you in this relationship so that I can stay fresh and alive and in wonder and in a new kind of trust. Asking for seeing has taken me to places I would never have chosen for myself. And I'm grateful. I, I would never have chosen to work you know, these last decades with sexual assault, domestic violence, and human trafficking survivors, that would never have been in my 19-year-old self. I think that's what I want to do when I get older. But because life happened to me, I had to open up my eyes to find the new way Jesus was showing up in the here and now. And Scott and I can tell you, there are days that we look at each other we say, is this seriously our life? God has given us something that we could never have dreamed of partnering and co-creating with God on the earth. It's wild. You know, when I think of our dear uh, C.S. Lewis, when he wrote The Grief Observed, it was just a little journal. He was talking to his buddies at the pub and telling them about how he did not understand what God was doing. And so he's writing this just as a journal, and thank God it turned into a book, because you all think he's a good theologian. And it's interesting that, that Lewis wrote down his doubts so that we could have them and not demonize people who are living in both faith and doubt. I, I'm so grateful that the grief observed was written so that we don't have to tell people, don't come to church if you doubt. Like... That's funny. We wouldn't have anybody here. So this is Anne Lamott. I have a lot of faith, but I am also afraid a lot and have no real certainty about anything. I remembered something Father Tom told me, that the opposite of faith is not doubt, but certainty. Certainty is missing the point entirely. Faith includes noticing the mess. Everybody say Mess. The emptiness, say emptiness. The discomfort, come on, shout it out. And letting it be there until some light returns. Right? Because if we stuff it, it's still there. Sociologists tell us that it varies a percent or two every year, but 43 to 44% of people will go through a major faith transition at some point in their life. So if half of us are going to go through major faith transitions, don't you think we should talk about it in church? so that you, you can actually be with friends that, that, that are seeking to follow Christ. I don't, I don't want to have this conversation with someone um, that wouldn't be helpful to keep opening the way for me to love Christ and to wonder what Christ is doing in all that I don't know, right? So since it's, uh, you know, half of us, we're just going to, talk about things like this, because there are plenty of churches you can go to who will never address this subject, and that may be what you need. That's okay. Like, that is totally okay. We always laugh about it. We say, why do we keep inviting people to go? You know, that's funny, everybody. That is really funny. But, But here's the point. There are a lot of churches that will just give you one plus one equals two, and there are times you need one plus one equals two. There have been times in my faith, if I didn't have a one plus one equals two, I wouldn't have any bearings. But once you've lived a little and stuff has happened and you want to talk to God about real stuff that's going on in your life, 44% of you, we got to have somewhere safe and people who are safe to have the conversation that are leading us in the way everlasting and not the way never lasting. I do love that. I want a bumper sticker. So there are all kinds of faith models that can help you walk through this. You've heard order, disorder, reorder, or construction, deconstruction, reconstruction, or maybe you haven't heard this one, simplicity, complexity, perplexity, harmony. And then, of course, Bob Mulholland, anybody who's been around here for a while, our professor and teacher, taught us awakening, purgation, illumination, and union. And if you read the assigned book, Invitation to a Journey, you remember that, right? And then, or our favorite, which the artwork is right in the back, friends, that our artists did, describing the critical journey, recognizing God, the life of discipleship, the productive life, the inward journey, when you hit the wall and you got to say, oh my gosh, I don't know that I see Jesus the way I saw Jesus when I was 17. So am I bad or is there an invitation to know Christ in a new way? And then the journey outward and then the life of love. So I invite you all just to wonder what what helps you. So I asked last night, there's only a few brave ones on on my wall. I said, which of these faith models resonates with you? And, of course, you know, the, the Enneagram Challenger style among us, Kelly Finn was the first one out of the chute, And, uh, and she, she named B, construction, deconstruction, reconstruction. I loved that. I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, she, that, that's, those are helpful words for her. Like she had constructed a part of her faith that had to be deconstructed so that God could reconstruct what is for Kelly at this stage of her life right? Then I loved Lindsay Marks. You know, she preferred C, simplicity, complexity, perplexity, and harmony, right? Our, our vocal teacher, right? Sweet Lindsay. I mean, I, I just think, and I just want to say, it doesn't matter how you see it, but you will have parts of your faith that were working for you when you were six, that don't work for you when you're 36. Can I get an amen? And so we need to know God afresh and let go of our old six-year-old self. Hello. It's called maturity and transformation. And God's not scared of it at all. God's not freaked out. I wasn't freaked out, you know. I mean, well, I was freaked out when I gave my kids the keys to the car. But it was, Scott wasn't. You know, there's a part of your life that you're letting go of the old and embracing the ways that God is inviting you now. Sarah Bessie says, I think there's always a sense of grief that comes along with deconstruction. I think a lot of times we have the sort of feeling that we only have one or two options, which is to either double down and pretend everything's fine and stuff your questions down and your doubts and things where you feel like maybe it doesn't add up or you'll feel like you don't belong anymore. You know, I I feel super grateful to have the dad I had because every stage of my faith journey when I started questioning things, he told me I was normal. Right, Scott? I mean, every dinner conversation, it's like, well, you know, I just kind of wonder about that. He's like, good. That is good that you are wondering about that. Is that the same thing happening at your table, Deb? I see your child nodding at you like, sounds like our dinner table. Excellent, right? And so this this is important because children, when they begin to have their own faith, they can't live on your faith. And so they're going to develop a way of knowing God that you have never known. That's the grand hope, everybody, right? That is the grand hope. In fact, I love this idea that the path isn't a straight line, but it's a spiral, and you continually come back to things you thought you understood to see deeper truths. Isn't that nice? Because sometimes, you know, as a spiritual director, I'll sit with pastors from all over the world. I have directees in several countries and here in the United States that are missionaries and pastors. And so they've been studying the Bible all their lives. And they need a safe place where they can come and say, you know, I was wondering because, you know, when I was, when I was reciting the Westminster, you know, okay. And then some of you are like, you don't even know. And then, or is, you mean Pelagius isn't a heretic? I mean, this is, these are great things that happen to people. Like, oh, my goodness, that's a beautiful way to see God. See, and when they were talking about all the scriptures, notice their eyes still were not opened on the road to Emmaus. It wasn't until they sat down and had a meal together. When was the last time you sat across the table with somebody that you could have a really good conversation with and ask questions in a safe place that you could enjoy yourself? We did that with with Rick and Ann the other night. We just sat and we talked about things from A to Zinc. And You need people who are mature to sit with you to hold your story. Can I get an amen? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I want to say is, yeah, the spiral. Um, I just want to invite you to be with God because you are in the knowing and the not knowing always in your life, even if you're not having a major faith transition. Like for me, when I... I knew I was no longer going to um, worship in the Catholic Church, but I was going to an Assembly of God Bible College, right? That was a big faith transition for me, huge. And, and then later on, when I uh, was in a graduate course at Spring Arbor University with Richard Foster, and he gave us back all the deuterocanonical books in the Renovare version of the Bible, I was like, oh, I get to love my Catholic brothers and sisters again. You know? And then, and that was a faith transition. And then Scott and I, at 40 years old, we started hanging out in a community that you all know, the Transforming Center, where we sat next to really liberal Lutheran pastors and really conservative Baptist pastors and had communion. Ah. Right? It was awesome. Because we began to understand that they understood things that we didn't understand, and we understood things they didn't understand, and we all had the power to eat with each other and help open up eyes. And so I just wonder who you'll invite to dinner this week. I wonder who you'll invite to go out after church. I wonder who you want to sit across the table and say, here's some of the things that I'm wondering about. I'm going to invite Ann and Rick to come on up and, and lead us in prayers of the people. And you guys don't know Ann and Rick, but uh, formally served um, in pastoral ministry, then in Kenya for 10 years, uh, creating life for orphans and leading churches. And, and, and now they have these fabulous jobs um, that, you know, Rick, you're a, a therapist, Right. And Anne, you are actually writing curriculum curriculum and training people all over the globe around trauma for orphans. Is that correct? Am I saying that right? And and I I just want to say, yeah, welcome, welcome. I guarantee you they know things I don't know. That they've had experiences with God around the globe that I have not yet experienced. And so... I don't know if you guys want to say anything before you lead us in prayers, but we welcome you too.
4: I'll just say really briefly how, how grateful we are to be just among uh, you. Um, it has been a journey in returning back from Kenya and, and um, had a hard time like connecting to a, to a place where we can feel safe to be ourselves. And, and I think we found that here and uh, just express gratitude to all of you for the opportunity to life journey together with you.
5: Thanks.
3: Thank you. Yeah. And, Anne, yeah, please say something. He
5: said it better than and I could.
3: Oh, that's yeah. good too. Yeah. <laughs> I
5: know, it's making me emotional just being up here. You guys are a really welcoming community, and that's really beautiful. Um, should we pray together? Yeah. Let's pray together. Are we waiting for that? There we go. All right.
3: Why do we knowing- stand? Yeah,
5: let's stand and pray. Good idea. Yeah,
3: let's stand together.
5: All-knowing God, may each of us experience belonging to you in all our knowing and not knowing. We belong, we belong to, to you, you in all our, all our knowing
4: and not knowing. Giver of all life, we thank you for the signs we can see Outside, as the world is coming alive and being made new, as spring is renewing plants and trees, we pray for renewal within. Let places that have been dark also welcome the light. Where there is division, let unity and the newness of the Holy Spirit bring springtime to all people.
5: We belong to you
3: in all our knowing
5: and not knowing. God of peace, we lift our sisters and brothers in Ukraine, Haiti, Nigeria, other places of danger. We pray that you will bring peace, protection, and healing. Let your love overtake all hatred.
4: We belong belong to you in all all our our knowing and not knowing. Creator of all families, Help moms and dads, kids and grandparents find the purpose for their lives in you. Let our homes be places of safety and calm, learning and love. We belong belong to to you you in all all our our knowing knowing
5: and not knowing. Healer of all, we ask for the healing of communities and families that don't Feel safe in their neighborhoods. We pray for those who have lost sons and daughters to violence and ask that you bring renewal to all systems that don't protect all of us equally. We belong to, we belong to you in all our knowing and not knowing.
4: For our churches to be places that can hold both doubt and faith, hope and skepticism with the greatest gift, love.
1: Lord, in your mercy, you hear hear and answer our prayers.
6: So
3: this song was written one of my first transitions of faith when my sister died, who was really my mother. And so I pray for all of us to be able to bring our questions and our struggles to God even in this moment. Be as honest as you possibly can
6: with God who is safe. When I struggle When I question The restless time they're honest times And when I struggle when I question the restless times the honest times. And they'll take me to a deeper place, a place that's filled with you. They'll take me to a broader place, a place that's filled with truth. That's when I, that's when I, that's when I. That's when I see You're pro-
0: in the light.
6: i
3: gets in the way that keeps you from seeing whatever part of life or relationships that are keeping you as they were on that road to Emmaus they were kept from seeing and just confess that be as honest as you can and then see the beauty of Christ inviting you to (laughs) to fellowship after that. That doubters and misfits and skeptics and atheists and and all kinds of craziness. Jesus is always inviting us to come. And so even see yourself here. Allow your imagination to be at the table. Maybe you're not at KFC. But wherever you might see Jesus inviting you to go this week to have a conversation and to bring all your faith and all your doubt, resting on the one thing that will never fail, which is the beauty of Jesus, not hair-splitting words or former ways of experiencing, but the beauty of Jesus will captivate you when words fail and so God I bless my friends I pray that they go out in the beauty of Christ today I pray that they find themselves invited to many conversations with you and a few companions that are helpful on the journey and that from faith to faith and glory to glory we would grow up into all things Christ in us the hope of glory. Amen. Have a beautiful week, everybody. Love you. Bless you.